All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled All glories to the assembled All glories to Sri Guru and Goranga. All glories to Sri Prabhupada Mahom. Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Kuchala Srimati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Nijinamana. Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Pichana Namaste Sasamanani Vaskitali Satana. Mandeham Sri Guru Sri Yuta Padakamalam Sri Guru Vaishnavanshta. Sri Rupam Sagrajatam Sagana Raganatam Bitam Stam Sajidam. Sadvoitam Sadhudutam Padijana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Devam Sri Radha Krishna Padam Sagana Valita Sri Vishakam Bitamsha. So it's September 9th, 2016. We're going to be focusing in this presentation on the concept of shelter. So we can ask, what is our shelter? And how do we find out what our actual shelter is? Because when we decide we want to take up Krishna consciousness, we at least proclaim or ostensibly say, Krishna is my shelter, right? Spirituality is my shelter. God is my shelter. But it may not actually be a fact. It's very easy to have the wrong shelter. So how do we know what our shelter is? We think about, okay, when, when I'm confused, when I have difficulty, if I want happiness, where do I go for shelter? What do I do? Do I eat something? Do I go to sleep? Do I you know, hang out with friends and family? Uh, do I go to entertainment? What do I do? And when I want to fulfill my desires, what do I do? Do I think, okay, I'm going to use my intelligence, I'm going to use my creativity, or I'm going to use my power, I'm going to use my position, I'm going to use my anger. It'd be nice if we could turn off some of these lights. That would be really nice. Can we have some lights? Thank you. Oh, much better. Or do we take shelter of humility? What do we do when we want to achieve something? So the point is that we have to take shelter somewhere. We're very, very tiny entities. And we're not able to exist shelterless. It just doesn't work. We can't really be our own shelter. So here Prabhupada is speaking. This is in Vrindavan in 74 on Bhagavad Gita 411. And he says we have to take shelter. 
He says, instead of taking shelter of the external energy, which is also Krishna, but we should take shelter of the internal energy. Because in a sense, whatever we take shelter of, whoever we take shelter of, is ultimately Krishna's energy, right? Really, we're only taking shelter of Krishna. But it's how you take shelter of Krishna that makes a difference to us. Some of you may appreciate that, and some of you may not. Uh, So we're all under the shelter of one of Krishna's energies. And the question is, which energy do we want to be under the shelter of? This is really the main question in our life. You know, many times we think that the main question in our life is things like, what do I want to do for my career? Do I want to get married or not? If I want to get married, who do I want to marry? Where do I want to live? Do I want to have children? How many? You know, we think these are the really big, big questions in life, but really the big question in life is under whose shelter are we? Because what shelter we are under will determine the answer to all of those other questions and will determine how things work out for us according to how we answer those other questions. But we cannot be shelterless. We have to make a choice. And in fact, we are all making a choice. This is not just a choice we made in some distant past. You know, like there's a a Christian philosophy that we're suffering because Adam and Eve made a mistake about 6,000 years ago, which isn't very tenable to me. And, And even, you know, some devotees think that we're suffering because we individual souls made a mistake somewhere in uncountable time. But Shiva Prabhupada says that Krishna is giving us an imperceptible choice at every moment, 24 hours. So really, we are making that choice, are making that choice now. We're making that choice really at every moment. Where is my shelter? Where is my shelter? So let's look a little bit at the internal energy. So, Radha and Krishna are really the same person. God is complete, on pranam adat pranam. God is complete. To be complete, he must have everything, masculine and feminine energies, correct? Yes? He can't just have one. Some people debate, is God male or female? Our answer, of course, is both. <laughs> that really he's one. And of course, the primal, primal sound, what is the primal sound, the original sound? Om, yes. So this Om, you all know what Jiva Goswami says this Om is composed of? Everybody knows? Yes? No? So those of you who know a little bit of Sanskrit, so you know that in Sanskrit you never put two vowels together. Actually, most languages are like that. Uh, English is like that. If you have two vowels together, you have to have a new sound. Usually. Just like if you want to say cream, you have C-R-E-A-M, but you don't say cre-m, right? The E and the A join and make a new sound. Of course, we have a few English words like create or skiing, where we don't follow that, but in general. But the sound in English, when the two vowels are together, is just sort of random. Why would e and a become e? There's no particular reason for it. 
In Sanskrit, when you have two vowels together, because two vowels together are very difficult to say. So I, I have a place in Hawaii, in the Hawaiian language, they're constantly putting vowels together. And so you have words like kapu'ulani, which are very hard to say. So in Sanskrit, it just doesn't happen. Even from one word to the next, if one word ends in a vowel and the next word begins in a vowel, they join together. And they join together to make a natural sound that's consistent with biology. So the first sound in Om is actually a. So I know when we read the Bhagavad Gita, if we're reading it in English, when Krishna says, I am the letter A, we read it as I am the letter A. But he's not the letter A. That's an English letter. And the sound A in Sanskrit is a completely different letter. So what Krishna is saying is, I am the sound A. And if you try saying that, A, A, Tra, A, A, you're not using your lips or your tongue or your teeth at all. It's, it's a very basic sound. So Krishna says, I am the sound A. All right. And then the next sound that forms the own is U. So Jiva Goswami says this U is Srimati Radharani. So if you put together a uh, and u and try you get o. So the Sanskrit letter o is made up of a uh, and u. As soon as you have a uh, and u together, they make an o. So this o is actually a uh, u. And sometimes you'll see om written like that, right? You'll see it written with a, the English letter a, the English letter u, instead of the o. Then the m is it's kind of an interesting letter. It's called an anushvar. And it can make all kinds of different sounds, like ng and m and ng. Uh, and this, Jiva Goswami says, represents all of us. We are the m. <laughs> so when we are saying om, we are putting together Krishna, Radha, and ourselves. So this om, it represents, it's a sound representation of the Lord and his completeness as masculine and feminine and his living entities. Of course, as a little side note, we have the Hare Krishna mantra. So, of course, in the Hare Krishna mantra, Krishna and Rama are the Supreme Lord as masculine, which corresponds to the A, and Hare is the Supreme Feminine, which corresponds to the U. Where is the Anushvara? Where are we in the Hare Krishna mantra? We're chanting, but in the, in, the, in the form of the letters, where are we? Even in the written form of the letters, where is the G? This is a really tricky question, folks. In between? All these fantastic guesses. Huh? The form of the Hare Krishna mantra is what's called the vocative. So in some languages, including Sanskrit, a noun will change if you're talking to someone. So like, you know, in English it doesn't work like that. If your name is Sally, then you say Sally went to the store, and you say, hello Sally, and it's the same name. But in Sanskrit it's not like that. Like in Sanskrit, my name, if you're speaking to me, would not be Urmila, it would be Urmile. If you were speaking to me, if you were saying hello Urmile, you don't have to do that. Just, just the principle. So if we're going to say, you know, Krishna is walking by the Jamuna, we don't say Krishna, we say Krishna. Huh? If we say, you know, this belongs to Krishna, we have Krishnasya. So in English, it's, we decide what role the nouns are playing by where they are in the sentence. Like you say, the boy threw the ball. You can't say the ball threw the boy. I mean, you can say it, but it doesn't make any sense. But in Sanskrit, you can move the words around. And they still make sense. B 
because the role they're playing, whether they're subject, direct object, indirect object, sorry to remind you of your grammar teacher you probably didn't like, um, is not dependent on where they are in the sentence, but the ending on the word, which is why it's so easy to make poetry in Sanskrit, because you can move the words around however you like, and they still make perfect sense. Hmm. So this form of Hare, Krishna, and Rama, these forms are only used when someone is speaking. So as soon as these forms are there, there must be somebody speaking. You understand? And therefore we, the speaker, are there in the Hare Krishna mantra. So the original existence, the absolute truth, is male and female. In Om, there is a male and female. In the Hare Krishna mantra, there is a male and a female. And yet they also exist separately. Eternally they exist as one, and eternally they exist separately for pleasure. So, Srimati Radharani, uh, by the way, all these are quotes from Srila Prabhupada's books. Srimati Radharani is the transformation of Krishna's love. So, Krishna's love appears personified. By the way, we don't mind babies as long as they're not crying, so crying is a problem, but any other noises are fine. So, Krishna's love is there as a person, as Srimati Radharani. You want to know what does what does Krishna's love look like? What does Krishna's love act like? So you have a person. That's hmm? And she's his internal potency called the Ladini. Ladini potency is the potency of pleasure. Krishna has actually multifarious potencies, Vividaya, But they can be divided into several different uh, like greater categories, you could say, encompassing categories. One would be his potency of eternity and knowledge and bliss. So this is his eternity of bliss. And so she's identical with him, but yet she's his pleasure energy. So what does this mean that she's his pleasure energy? It means that she not only gives pleasure to Krishna, but she also nourishes the devotees. So this very wonderful verse in the Bhagavad Gita where Krishna says the great souls are under the shelter of the internal energy, diving property, indicates Srimati Radharani. So we might ask, well, why should we take shelter of Srimati Why should we do it? We talk about how we're going to present Krishna consciousness to the world. Of course, it's also how we present Krishna consciousness to ourselves. But whatever we're going to do, we have to have a reason for doing it, yes? Srila Prabhupada explains in his preface to the Nectar of Devotion, one of my favorite parts of Srila Prabhupada's books, where he says that whatever we are doing is motivated by rasa. So everything we do, we're hoping that we're going to get some pleasure out of it, or else we won't do it. By the way, that information is also a key to getting rid of a bad habit, because all of our bad habits are really motivated by the idea that we're going to get some kind of happiness out of it. So what kind of happiness are we going to get? What are our benefits from taking shelter of Srimati Radharani? And then how do we do it? We're going to look at the general process and also specific processes. So first of all, uh, what happens when we take shelter of Radharani? Why should, why should we change our shelter? You know, I was talking the other day to somebody who thought they might have to move from their home 
to a different home. Uh, so it, it seems like a big deal to us, isn't it, if we're going to leave my shelter and take right any shelter? And you, you can't even pack. You just have to leave everything in my shelter, right? Only your false ego <laughs> and go around and ready. So we, we say, you know, do I really want to do that? So what will we get? Well, here she will go is saying that we will get protection. Protection against what? He's saying, although we have Krishna's qualities, we have godly qualities. We have the same quality of God. But still, sometimes we fall down. Sometimes we fall down. Like one time the devotee said to Shiva Prabhupada, Prabhupada, sometimes we fall into Maya. And Prabhupada said, no, you're always in Maya. Sometimes you fall into Krishna. <laughs> but sometimes we fall down. I mean, this can be a big fall down, like you go to the, the pub and have some alcohol, or it can be a small fall down that, you know, you yell at some devotee unnecessarily and can get an but we require protection, isn't it? We were discussing this in Manashiksha, that against the thieves of lust, anger, envy, greed, and illusion that have bound us around the neck, we need the protection of the police officers on the path. So this protection is especially from Radharani. Prabhupada says, therefore we chant Hare Krishna, not just Krishna. That we first of all take the shelter of Krishna's energy, Radharani. He said, therefore in Vrindavan they chant Radha Krishna, Jai Radha. Because they know we need this protection. Just like a loving mother is going to always be alert to give her children protection, isn't it? Right? Prabhupada wrote a letter to Lakshmi Moni. She was asking whether she should, you know, take care of her family or do deity worship. And Prabhupada said, you know, just like the, the mother, she's doing so many things, but she doesn't neglect her children, she doesn't neglect to make sure her hair is neat, you know. And so the mother's not going to neglect her children no matter how busy she is, isn't it? Yeah? She's always watchful. When we take shelter of Srimadhyayana, she gives us protection, specifically protection from illusion. It's particularly protection from illusion. It's not necessarily that we'll be protected from breaking our leg or something like that. But we won't fall into illusion. But wouldn't that be nice? Imagine if our consciousness would never become polluted. If we could always understand things correctly. If we could always understand things correctly, then we would always make very good choices, isn't it? Right? Because we could see the results of our actions. We could see things as they are. When we're in illusion, that means we don't see things as they are. We see something as something different from what it is. Everybody understands that? What that means? Right? I had some, some friends... Uh, who tried to protect their home from thieves, and they had a huge wall around their house, and barbed wire, and electric wire, and then they had these two big dogs. And the thieves came, and they just put poison in the meat. And they gave this poisoned meat to the dogs, and the dogs died, and then they somehow they got through all the other barriers and stole all these devotees' jewelry, etc., so the dogs see the meat and they think, oh, here's some food. They don't see that it's poison, you understand? They don't see it for what it is. This is what it means to be in maya. We perceive, oh, that will make me happy. That's going to work. If I do this, it'll work out. We don't see it. And Prabhupada said, the reason that one who's advanced in Krishna consciousness doesn't fall down, it's not that we become robots, right? It's not that Krishna, like, takes over us and says, now you do this, and we're like, yes, sir. 
It's not like that. It's not, Prabhupada says, we see the naked form of the material energy. We see it for what it is. And when we see it for what it is, naturally we become disinterested. You follow? Just like the people making the movie and they see that actually it's just a facade. It's not really a castle. It's not really a horse. You follow? It's all fake. And so when they watch the movie, they, they're just, oh, yeah, I know that prop, and I know that thing, and I know that thing. And they're not, they're not drawn into it. So being under Radharani's shelter removes this veil of illusion, and we see things as they are. Now, not only do we see the illusion for what it is, but we also see that there's Krishna everywhere. Prabhupada says the whole world is full of Krishna's singing, but we don't appreciate it. So when this veil of illusion is removed, not only do we see Maya correctly, but we also see that everywhere is Krishna. So also we get intelligence. So I think one of the main questions that people ask over and over again, and over and over and over and over and over again, is how can I best make advancement? And people usually look at the externals and they'll be saying, well, will I make more advancement if I'm a brahmachari or Will I make more advancement if I live in Radhadej or London? Or maybe I should live in Mayapur. Will I make more advancement if I live in the temple or I have a job? Will I make more And this is like, you know, big, big questions you hear from people all over the world. Which situation will help me make more advancement? You know, it's very, very interesting Vishnu says in the Bhagavad Gita that if we're in the proper consciousness, then that consciousness lights up everything, like the sun in the daytime. If we want to know how to make advancement, change your consciousness and you will see how to make advancement. It will become obvious to you. Prabhupada said your duties will become self-illuminated. So, of course, we have to follow the instructions of Guru, the Parampara, as to what to do to clean our consciousness. But that's pretty simple. What do we do to clean our consciousness? Shant or Krishna. In the mood of taking shelter of the internal energy, not in a ritualistic mood. And if we do that, our consciousness becomes clear. And then we can see, we get the intelligence. Dhammi Bhuri Yoga we get the booty, the intelligence, and we can see. Uh-huh. And that's what's supposed to happen if you follow the instructions of the guru. It's not that one is supposed to have a guru to bother the guru about, do I, you know, wear blue socks or green socks? <laughs> but it's not, it's not really, I mean, that's okay if you're five years old, perhaps, but that's not really the idea of being a disciple the idea of being a disciple is we ask the guru what do I do what can I do to purify my consciousness and then you will see you will understand and Srila Prabhupada would deal like this with the devotees all the time Prabhupada how do I do this you take shelter of Krishna you depend on Krishna and he will show you what to do he will give you the intelligence you'll see it for yourself like the sun lights up the sky uh, the guru is necessary to say, look, if you want to get out of the sun, okay, turn right, turn left, walk straight, open the door, it's out there. <laughs> and out there, like, oh. uh, 
So when we take shelter of Srimati Radharani through the Hare Krishna mantra and so forth, then we get this intelligence. Ah, this is what I have to do. In active devotion, it says that the devotees in Vrindavan, when they get under the care of Srimati Radharani, they achieve perfection. So this is another benefit we get. I'm going to ask all of you what are these benefits, so I hope you remember. Okay, so we achieve perfection because you know one can go on in devotional service for quite a while without achieving perfection. Yes, yes, right. Eh? But we want—I hope we want perfection. We don't just want okay. Well, I'll become a demigod. I'll just have a nice, peaceful life or something like that. If we want actual perfection, for that, if we take the shelter of Shrimati Radharani, we'll get the ultimate result of our bhakti. And in Gitanjali. Bhaktivinoda says that if we get the lotus feet of Radharani, then we get the lotus feet of Krishna, which are like priceless jewels. So sometimes, you know, Krishna's feet, they're compared to lotuses, and his toenails are compared to jewels. Of course, that's a... Technically, we call that a mixed metaphor because lotuses don't have jewels. Krishna's feet are like that. So if we want Krishna's very beautiful and soft feet like lotuses with jeweled toenails, and then Srimati Radharani's lotus feet uh, will be the way to achieve that. (laughs) Also taking shelter of Srimati Radharani will allow us to advance quickly. So who here would like to advance quickly? All right, some of you are not sure. Some, some years ago, a devotee contacted me and said, Ramila, my bhakti has gotten very dry. Everything has just gotten very dry. So there's many reasons why that can happen, not only one or two reasons. But after talking to him for about half an hour, I said to him, uh, well, it, it seems to me that you're going very gradually in your, in your bhakti. And he said, well, yes, I actually prayed to Krishna. Don't take me too fast. <laughs> He said, you know, well, that, that's your problem. I, I, I was at one, I'm not going to tell you the name, but anyway, I was at one festival somewhere in some temple on the earth planet, and <laughs> some leader, who shall we name, nameless, got up and said, we need people to help cut vegetables in the kitchen. Anybody who wants to go back to Godhead should sign up. Of course, not going back to Godhead today, but, and I thought, why not today? <laughs> What's wrong with today? So if one wants to advance quickly, you know, there was what that, um, what's his name, St. Augustine, I think, who prayed, Lord, give me chastity, but not quite yet. You know, so. So Prabhupada says here, in Vrindavan they always speak of Radharani because they have taken shelter of Radharani to approach Krishna very easily. Daivi Prakriti Mashrita. That, of course, is our theme for this class, Daivi Prakriti Mashrita. You take shelter of Radharani directly, and she will help you to approach Krishna very soon. That's the fast track. You understand? That's the fast track. You want to meet a big, important person. So you find someone who's very close to them, and then you get on the fast track. So Radharani is the fast track. Okay, does anybody remember, I mean, I don't remember how, anybody remember the benefits of taking shelter of Srimad Dila, right? Protection. Protection, eh? Intelligence, eh? Perfection, eh? Krishna's lotus feet, eh? 
advanced briefly. So what do you think? Are we are we at our board? Some people were interested and they had other things to do. Everybody who's still here? First Krishna. Okay, everybody ready? Yeah. Let me know how? Yeah. Okay, great. First we're going to look generally and then we're going to look specifically. So, first of all, we take shelter of Lord Chaitanya and Lord Nityananda. Because Lord Chaitanya is Krishna in Radha's mood. So, in the negative devotion, it says we can achieve Krishna only by the Lord's compassion. He has to be merciful. My dear friends, we will never earn our way back to God. Please don't try to do that. Please don't try to do that. Please don't think, you know, if I chant 150 rounds a day, and then I will earn my way back to God. It's not like that. I mean, if you want to chant 150 rounds a day, that's very good. But not in the mood of earning. So I give the example all the time. A man is not going to win a woman's love just by getting her roses and diamonds. If he says to her, I'm giving you roses and diamonds, okay, you know, now you owe me love, she's going to say, I'm sorry, I'm not for sale. Right? You understand? It's a good idea to give a woman roses and diamonds, but but you you can't purchase her like that. No, she's a high class lady. So you can't purchase Krishna. There's no austerity. It's nice at the end of the 11th chapter of Bhagavad Gita where Krishna says, you can't see me through austerity, you can't see me through this. It gives a whole list of all the things that won't work. And then Srila Prabhupada, I believe it's in the next purport, he says, we do all these things in bhakti. It's not that we don't do all these things, but it's the bhakti. You know, Krishna says, Pacham Pushpam Pantam Yomi. He said, we can offer leaf, flower, fruit, or water. He says, Yomi Bhaktya Prayajiti. You're not going to win Krishna with your flowers. He has a lot nicer flowers in Vaikuntha than even talk. <laughs> Most of the flowers we offer don't even have any smell. Which technically is an offense, but what are you going to do? You know, sometimes the devotees like stick perfume into the flowers. I'm not quite sure if that, if that meets the requirement. But it's not, it's not like that. It's not like, you know, Krishna offered you so many flowers and so many mantras and so many sticks of incense. Then we're committing the offense of what? Thinking the holy name is some kind of material karmakanda activity. So the only way we're going to become Krishna conscious is by his compassion. And we're trying to invoke, the reason we're chanting 16 mounds and going to Mangalarti and following the four related principles is not to earn Krishna, but to invoke his compassion. But in addition, we have to also be compassionate. Right? We have to also be compassionate. Jesus tells the story of the man who approached the judge to get free from his debts. It used to be if you were in debt, you had to go to jail and work, and all the money you earned in jail went to pay your debts. So the man said, you know, I want to be free from my debts. And the judge excused him. Then the man goes out of the court, and he sees someone who owes him money, and says, hey, you've got to pay. And the judge heard about this. He said, call the man back in. Now you have to go to prison. So if we're going to ask Krishna for mercy, actually, George Bernard Shaw talked about this in terms of meeting. He said, how can you ask God for mercy when you're not merciful to the animals? So we also have to be compassionate. And this compassion is exemplified in Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So that means joining the Sankirtan movement. And, and we really can't emphasize this strongly enough. 
Here, at least, I notice it as I as I travel. That less and less devotees are invested in the mission. You see that more and more people, their idea of Krishna consciousness is basically: I have my deities, I have my japa beads, I listen to classes, you know, and I, I work in the world, and I come to the temple sometimes. But you know, in the beginning of the Hare Krishna movement, we were all like the mission. <laughs> The mission, the mission. And maybe we can't sustain that level of sacrifice in the society as a whole as, as we grow. I mean, we were so into the mission that we all had one little box of stuff and you know, furniture and lived 12 people in a room. I don't think that's very sustainable. But still, we should have this devotion to the mission. If, 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 if we want to take shelter of Srimadhi Radharani for all those wonderful things, then we have to enter into the mood of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which is a mood of preaching. It's a, it's a missionary mood. It's a mood of helping others. We're reading about Prahlad in the morning. And he's, you know, Prahlad is, I don't want to be liberated alone. Because this is, is the mood of Srimati Radharani. Srimati Radharani does not have the mood of, I am going to enjoy with Krishna alone, forget about everybody else. That is not her mood. Krishna does Kaviraj says Shrimati Radharani enjoys hundreds of thousands of millions of times more when she arranges for Krishna to be with another gopi. What ordinary woman in the world can imagine something like this? That, that's Radharani's mood. And the other gopis, they're happier hundreds of times more when Krishna's with Radharani. And when Krishna sees this, he becomes very satisfied. So if we're thinking, you know, I just want to be liberated alone, forget about everybody else, then it'll be very, very, very difficult to ask for compassion from Srimati She'll say, well, where's, where's your compassion? You want me to give compassion to you? Where's your compassion? And, of course, another general way in which we take shelter of Srimati Radharani is in the Hare Krishna Mantra. So this is a direct quote from Srila Prabhupada. The mood of the chanting, my dear Lord, and the spiritual energy of the Lord kindly engaging in your service. I am now embarrassed with this material service, kindly engagement in your service. Would you agree material service is embarrassing? Right? This body is pretty embarrassing, isn't it? I mean, we kind of try to dress it up a bit, but... (laughs) I I think I mentioned this in class the other day, but most of you weren't there. I, I just read this thing, which is kind of like, whoa. It was a devotee remembering he was with Srila Prabhupada, and one, there was one, uh, one guest there, uh, a young woman, and she said, Srila uh, Prabhupada, you know, why is the material energy here? And Prabhupada said, well, just like, she said, if Krishna is so attractive, why did he create the material energy? That was her question. And Prabhupada said, well, you are a very attractive young woman, but you also pass stool and urine. That's not so attractive. He says, so this whole material world is like Krishna's stool and mirror, and he said, don't be attracted to him. So we're, we're very embarrassed with this, with our material service. We're very embarrassed by serving our, our lust and our anger and our greed, and it is such a source of, of, of shame for us. And in this Hare Krishna mantra, we should really be praying, please, I'm, I'm so tired of being embarrassed in this way. Let me be under your service. Let me be under your shelter. And of course, we uh, particularly serve in Lord Chaitanya's mission under the guidance of a spiritual master. So it's, it's most important uh, 
without having a spiritual master, then we become our own spiritual master. And they say, you know, one who is their own spiritual master has a fool for a disciple. <laughs> so we're not really able, we're, we're very entangled in the material energy. And if we're honest, we have to admit that we haven't been able to unentangle ourselves very effectively, isn't it? I mean, if, if we're honest. That we really, we need a guide, we need someone who can see. Oh, my God, I didn't understand. I didn't that I, I'm not really so intelligent. I make mistakes, right? Am I the only one in the room? I mean, I make mistakes and I, I'll think, well, if I do this, then this will happen. And if this happens, I'll be happy. And I do this, and that doesn't happen. Something else happens. Or I do it, and that does happen. But it doesn't make me happy. Does this happen to all of you? Yeah. You know, I'm just so convinced. If I do this, this thing will happen. This thing happens, everything will be good. <laughs> you know, I do this, and instead of this happening, this happens. <laughs> or I do this, and this happens, and it doesn't. It doesn't actually. We need it. We need a guru. I mean, on a society-wide level, we see these kind of things. There's a couple examples I, I like to give. So in, in America, and I think in the in the Western world in general, there's a move towards facilitating people who have disabilities. Right? That's good. Yes, is that a good thing? Good thing, undoubtedly. So they passed a law that if a doctor treats a deaf person, the doctor is required to have a sign language interpreter so the deaf person will understand the doctor. Does that sound good? Sounds good, right? Would anybody say that's a bad idea? Should get better medical care for all the deaf people, correct? Yes? Right? Logical. That's not what happened. Because although the government made the law, guess what they didn't provide? Translators. They didn't provide the translators. They didn't provide also the, the, the money. They didn't provide the financing. Translators are expensive. Right? They're expensive. And they also get tired. When you these translators, they usually change off about every half an hour. So they're very expensive. And you have to have more than one. And the doctors had to pay for it themselves. <clears throat> so guess what the doctors started doing? Charging the... Doll, they couldn't do that because the insurance companies wouldn't go for it. <laughs> they stopped seeing deaf patients. And it's really easy to figure out if somebody's deaf, by the way. It's not a hard thing to figure out. If people call to make an appointment or come in, you can easily tell if somebody's deaf. Deaf patients stop getting medical treatment. So before, maybe they weren't getting such good medical treatment. And in the effort to get them better medical treatment, all of a sudden, they're getting no medication. We call this the law of unintended consequences. And one, another one of my favorite examples is in 1960 in the United States, 4% of children were born outside of marriage. Now, it's 40%. Ten times increase. So what happened between 1960 and 2016? Widespread birth control and abortion. Now, what was the purpose of birth control and abortion? To stop unwanted children, correct? That was the idea. <laughs> that was the purpose. And it seems logical, right? Doesn't that seem logical? If people are having children out of marriage that they don't want, and then those children are neglected and uncared for and abused. So the way we're going to do this is we'll give people methods so they can only have children if they want them. Sounds like a great idea, right? Who wouldn't be for that? Fantastic. 
And it had exactly the opposite effect. Exactly the opposite effect. The, the increase in children outside of marriage is directly, absolutely directly, connected to the widespread use of birth control and abortion, which basically just got people not getting married anymore. So without the guru, we don't know what we're doing. On, on a collective level, on an individual level, we, we can't see. So the way that we take shelter of Srimadhi Radharani in the mission of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is under the care of the spiritual master. Not just making it up ourselves. It's such an important point. <laughs> understand who is Srimati Radharani and how to take shelter of her, especially from the books of the Goswamis. So especially from the books of the followers of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He instructed them and they instructed us. And this is absolutely essential. You know, sometimes I've seen it become a, a fad in our Hare Krishna movement to tell stories how, where we don't know where they're coming from. And many times I, I've been in classes and the person is telling stories about Srimati Radharani or whatever, and I'll say, Oh, my dear Prabhu, my dear Marsh, that's a wonderful story. Where is it from? And I don't get an answer. Oh, I don't know, I heard it somewhere in Vrindavan. You know, or even publishing books. I've, I've seen books published with stories about Radharani and no sources. And you go to the person who published the books, excuse me, Prabhu Marsh, whatever. You know, where is this story from? Oh, I don't know. I heard it somewhere. So, my dear friends, this is a very dangerous trend. It's a very dangerous trend. You know, we have a thirst for novelty, and so we're always trying to find something new we haven't heard before, and so we'll go, oh, now we have this story, that story. We should understand Shimati Radharani from the Goswamis, from the followers of Lord Chaitanya. And if we can't find a bona fide source, then, then not, just don't take it. Even if it seems like, oh, this is really wonderful, or it's really sweet, or it's really this, or it's really that, it's not worth it. It's really not worth it. If we want to take shelter of Srimati Radharani, we should do it according to her authorized representatives. This is, of course, a verse about the Goswamis, that they're always looking uh, for Srimati This is their mood. And because they have this mood, they're able to give us this guidance. Now, this is a very interesting purport from Garanga Bolite Hali, uh, where Srila Prabhupada also talks about how to take shelter of Srimati Radharani in, in a general way. And uh, the first few times I showed this presentation, I consistently have somebody argue with me that Prabhupada says other things in other places. So, Prabhupada says other things in other places, but he also says this here. So, Narottama Das Thakur is giving us the direction how we can reach the highest perfectional stage of associating with Radha Krishna. By surrendering to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Nityananda Prabhu will be pleased, and by his being pleased, we shall be free from material desires. And when material desires are no more, then we shall be able to enter Vrindavan, and after entering Vrindavan, when we are eager to serve the six Goswamis, that we can reach the platform to understand the pastimes of Radha Krishna. So I find this very clear. If we, if we are engaging in Lord Chaitanya's movement, if we are acting with compassion, if we are helping others, the Lord Chaitanya will say, you're helping my brother. I 
like you. <laughs> and there, Lord Richananda, who's the guru principle, he will cleanse us of all of our material desires, particularly the modes of passion ignorance. Then we will be able to understand and appreciate the books of the six Goswamis, which will allow us to be able to enter into Vrindavan. Okay, so what specifically will we do to gain Radharani shelter? Those are all general. So these are the actions of the Mahatmas who take in shelter of Srimati Bhagavani. Always. Satatam. So one of my god brothers, Prabhu, whose daughter married my son, uh, he told me that many years ago, before the Veda base, he went through all of Srila Prabhupada's books and lectures, finding what were Srila Prabhupada's most often repeated and most emphasized instructions, and he made a list of them. And he also found which adverb, sorry about the grammar again, which adverb did Srila Prabhupada use most often in relationship to chanting? And the answer is... Always. Always. Satatam kirtayantum. I, I remember um, asking Gopavinda Prabhupada, every time I would see him, he'd be chanting. And I'd say, Prabhu, does it take you a really long time to finish your rounds? Or? He says, no, I take it very seriously. Satatam kirtayantum. So endeavoring with great determination, dhridavrita. Uh, we talked about this with Manashiksha, with Pratijanu. Uh, being willing to do austerity birth after birth. Not just, okay, you know, Krishna, I tried. I tried for a few days, chanting 16 miles with attention, couldn't do it, now I'm just going to give up. You know, a great determination. And bowing down before me right, and perpetually worshipping. So these are some of the specifics we do to take shelter around her. And we also worship her deity form by seeing her in her deity form seeing her and thinking about her. Prabhupada would often say, when you chant Hare Krishna, you should be able to immediately think of the deity, that when you're, medit- you're looking at the deity, you're meditating on the deity, and as soon as you say, Hare Krishna, immediately the form of the deity should arise in your mind. Decorating the deity, cooking for her, I think many people are out cooking for her, and, and chanting for her. We have so many wonderful prayers to Srimati Radharani written by our acharyas that we can sing for her. And we can pray to Radharani. So the officers there of Radharani's appearance, so you should offer to Pandavi, pray to Radharani, that Radharani kindly be merciful and tell about me to your Krishna. To you, Krishna is your Krishna, Radha is Krishna. Krishna is not individual. Krishna is Radharani's problem. So you have to have to we have such an interesting idea of God, isn't it? You know, try to explain this to people. <laughs> God is Swarat, he's the supreme independent, uh, but yet he feels that he, he's running on his property, that he belongs to the devotees, and uh, from the same action. We should watch him rather than him. offering directly one God to Krishna, you just put it in the hands of Radharani. My Mara Radharani, Jagannatha, if you kindly take this flower and offer to Krishna. Oh, Radharani, oh, 
had a dream in, in Mayapur. She was in Mayapur and she had a dream. And that uh, she was there in the spiritual world. And there were Radha and Krishna. And as she approached, Radha Rani says, What did you bring? And she looked and she had empty hands and then she woke up. Uh, so if we want to give something to Krishna, we can give it to Srimati Radharani and she will give it to Krishna. And we can also hear about Radharani's qualities. That in the morning her body is bathed in the nectar of compassion, in the afternoon the nectar of youth, and in the evening the nectar of luster itself. Then her ornaments embody the symptoms of ecstasy, all the sattvika bhavas. Now this is a very interesting point because Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who of course is in Radha's mood, he's praying like this, when will my eyes be decorated with tears of love flowing constantly when I chant your holy name, when will my voice choke up? When will the hairs of my body stand on it? And you might think, well, it sounds like he's asking for his own happiness. It doesn't? Right? When will I be in ecstasy and have all the symptoms of ecstasy? And Krishna Das talks about this confusion in the beginning of the Chaitanya Charitamrita that it seems like the gopis are looking for their own happiness. He said that they're not. So let's try to understand what this means. If you want to please somebody who loves you, if you want to please somebody who loves you, do you know what the best way to please them is? To have them be the source of your happiness. Because what we all want is to be the source of someone else's happiness. That's what we want. What you want is when you cook something nice for someone, they go, wow, this is wonderful. I said, yes, I made you happy. I did something to make you happy. Isn't that a fact? Isn't that our greatest joy? If we think, what is our greatest joy in life? It's when I do something that brings happiness to someone that I love. Now imagine if it didn't. You know? Well, I, I made all your favorite stuff. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Bought your new car. Oh yeah, thanks. <laughs> that, that's not how Krishna wants us to respond. Krishna wants us to be, we, we really misuse this word ecstatic in the Hare Krishna movement. People talk about ecstatic prasada, you wonder if the Japanese are getting up and going, Hare Krishna! <laughs> but Krishna wants, it's really ecstatic prasada. So Krishna wants us to be ecstatic. Or sometimes we say devotional clothes, like the clothes are going on vacation. But Krishna wants us to be ecstatic. From Him. He wants the things that He does for us, He wants His very self to be the source of our ecstasy. That is His happiness. In one sense, in one sense, in an esoteric, rasika sense, you could say that's the only thing He doesn't have. Do you understand what I'm saying? The only thing he doesn't have is our happiness at him. He doesn't need it. It's not like there's something missing from his stuff that he needs. But it's the only thing he doesn't have. And he very much would like it. He'd very much like to make us happy. So really, really, what it comes down to, the only thing we can really offer Krishna is our great happiness at him. 
our happiness and what he looks like, our happiness and what he does, our happiness and how he interacts with his devotees, our happiness in his philosophy, our happiness in his prasadam, our happiness in his flower prasadam, our happiness in what he's doing for us in our life. And, so. and we can also, of course, meditate on Radharani's mood. She said, Krishna has nicely composed songs, and he plays on his flute wearing such nice garments. He has dressed himself in such an enchanting way, and lives wonderfully at the topmost height of artistic craftsmanship. So this is very much Srimati Radharani's mood that she's always appreciating Krishna. Now it's not only Krishna's flute that makes rocks melt and rivers flow backward, it's also Srimati Radharani singing. So when Radharani sings, the stones melt, the rivers flow backwards, everyone becomes stunned. Krishna, all her activities were useless. She says, if I can't hear Krishna's glories, it'd be better for me to be deaf. If I can't see him, I might as well be blind. This is why Sri Chaitanya said, if I really loved Krishna, I wouldn't be living. Because the only purpose of my body and my senses and my activities are to please him. And because he's not here, there's no point in my living. So, he said, the proof that I have no love is that I live in Krishna's absence. We serve Srimati Radharani by meditating on her pastimes. This is a quote from the Not make a measly quarrel about selling the trident which controls the elephant. 
So we're often like that, of course. Right? With Krishna. We say, Krishna, I surrender to you everything except this little thing over here. <laughs> now, the mood of all of the residents of Vrindavan is to bring Radha Krishna together. In fact, this is the way that every jiva is meant to enjoy. Just like the way the hand enjoys is to bring food together with the stomach. The way that we are meant to enjoy is not separately from Krishna, but by uniting Radha and Krishna, by uniting the Lord and his pleasure energy. When we do this, Sri Prabhupada said, we are enjoying through Krishna, and we enjoy everything that Krishna enjoys. Just think about that for a minute. We enjoy everything that Krishna enjoys. Bhakti Santa says that the words anandam buddhivardhanam in the Shikshastaka mean that the tiny, finite jiva can have infinite pleasure when connected with the Lord. But connected with the Lord means pleasing the Lord. Right? Pleasing the Lord. Pleasing the Lord means connecting Krishna with his pleasure energy. This is not just done by the gopis, but all the residents of Vrindavan. Here Madhu Mangal saying, if you give me another Radhu, then I will give you blessings so that Radharani will like you. <laughs> and of course, meditating on Radharani's form, this is also from the Nantari devotion, that her eyes defeat the attractive features of the eyes of the Chikori bird. When one sees the face of Radharani, he immediately hates the beauty of the moon. Her bodily complexion defeats the beauty of gold. Thus, let us all look upon the transcendental beauty of Sri Madhivari. And Krishna himself says this. He says, what a wonderful thing that since I've seen the beautiful lotus eyes of Srimati Radharani, I developed a tendency to spit on the moon and the lotus. <laughs> All right, so now, as a proper teacher, we will review. When we take shelter of the divine energy, we get protection from fall-down, intelligence to get Krishna's shelter. Krishna's lotus feet spiritual perfection and quick spiritual advancement and therefore in order to take Radharani shelter we learn about the love between Radha and Krishna and the nature of Radharani from Sri Prabhupada and Chaitanya and the six Goswamis we chant the Hare Krishna mantra serve Radha in her deity form pray to her and as we've just done very briefly meditate on her qualities and pastimes
Um, does anyone have any questions, comments, or anything? Just for very few minutes, yes? I have one question, and it will be more like a comment. You told us about uh, specific of Sanskrit. Uh, yes. Of mantras, that we have a male and female. Uh, yes. But actually, from the grammatical point of view, we can't be so sure about this. You said that we have uh, vocative cases here, so in Krishna and Rama, it is sure it is masculine, which is ending on A, and then in vocative, when you want to call somebody, you have Hey Krishna, Hey Rama. But in case of Hari, uh, Hara, Hare, we can have like uh, two cases. It could be either Hari, it could be Hari or Yes, because or uh, when you have a feminine ending on long A, so Hara, when we say Hey Hare, in yes, we say. that is true. But also, when and you have masculine ending on yeah. E, like Agni, when we, when we say Hey Agni, yes. Agne, right. Hey, so, can you defend somehow or other Radha in our Mahamantra? <laughs> <laughs> There's a, a nice meditation by Bhaktivinoda Thakur on the Mahamantra, where he identifies Hare in some places as Hari and some places as Hara. So, it's, it's quite interesting that in some places in Hare he's talking to Krishna and in some he's talking to Shimati uh, Ultimately, these things are according to the consciousness of the worshiper. Another example is like, um, you know, there's some people who understand that to be Lord Shiva, Dahara. So just like we are uh, enjoined, especially by Bhakti Vinod, to focus on the primary names of the Lord rather than the secondary names. The primary names are like Krishna, Govinda, Govinda, you know, Yasodhanandana, etc. And the secondary names are more like Ishwara, not, you know. But the gopis, they're going through the forest of Inda, and hey, not. Not means Lord. So most people in the churches and the mosques and the synagogues and the temples of the world, when they're saying, oh Lord, for them, it's a secondary name. They're speaking about the Lord in relationship to the world. But when the gopis are saying, hey, not, they're not thinking. They're not thinking. That was fun. They're not thinking about Shirdaksha Vishnu. They're not thinking about Narayana. So part of it is, is, our, is our consciousness. And you'll, you'll find, and this really bothers people, um, there's, there's a, you know, tapha means truth. But the absolute truth is a person, not an object or a mathematical formula. Persons are complex, and complex persons are understood differently according to how you deal with them. People often look for an absolute truth, that some kind of a formula you can put on a t-shirt with numbers and, and symbols. People think the way we'll cease having conflict is to have an absolute truth about which, and I'm using the word which intentionally, about which everybody will have absolute agreement. Many religious systems try to force absolute agreement of beliefs and creed and dogma upon everyone in the world. 
thinking that if everyone in the world was subscribed to exactly the same dogma, with exactly the same wording, in exactly the same order, and exactly the same way, then we would all have a common view of the absolute truth, and then there would be harmony. And there's been, you know, major wars and torture and persecution for this purpose. You know, major. Yes, am I correct? You've got to believe this exactly like this in this way and in this order because I do and I'm right. And therefore, if you all agree with me, you will all be happy. But uh, if you haven't noticed, the absolute truth is not like that exactly. He's a person. And because he's a person, no two other persons will perceive him exactly the same way. Just like there's no two of you that will perceive me exactly the same way. Some of you may love me, some of you may despise me, in fact. For the very same thing. Yes? I may have some quality that, that one of you thinks, wow, that's such a nice quality Ermila has, and someone else is here, right? I can't believe she has that quality. It's disgusting. That, right? Isn't it? Yes? Yes? That, that's, that's what it's like. If you put any person in this room and asked everyone else in this room to describe them, you'd get some things in common, but you'd also get many things that are not. Really? You think that about that person? Really? How do you, where, where do you get that from? <laughs> so we're all a different person, and we relate. Sanatana Goswami explains this very nicely in his commentary in the 14th chapter of the 10th chapter. We all relate to Krishna differently. We don't all see him the same. Lord Kapiladev also says that the Lord takes the form in which the devotee worships him. This is true all the way up in Goloka Vrindavan, where, you know, Mother Yasoda sees that when she wakes up Krishna in the morning that he's dirty. And she can't understand it because he had a bath before he went to bed. And she thinks that the, the devotees who bathed him must not have done a good job. And there are some young gopis in the room and they know why Krishna's dirty. He was out dancing with them in the forest at night. So they're, they're kind of laughing, you know, and they're, they're a little nervous that Mother Soda's going to find out that they go dancing in the middle of the night. But so Mother Soda's a liberated soul. Yes? She doesn't have any kind of illusion. And she's a kind of yoga mind. So her perception of Krishna is a little different. So it's the same with the name. It's the same with the name. And where Krishna is formed in his name, Krishna is formed as a deity. The perception, the relationship, and the more that we advance in Krishna consciousness, the more that that's going to be the case. Of course, there's some commonalities. And if, if someone says, well, I have some ecstatic relationship with Krishna that's not supported by Guru Sadhu Shastra, then that's, that's not acceptable. It's got to be within the range of Guru Sadhu Shastra, but that's probably said not narrow or stereotyped. It's not just one. Right? So that's my best defense. Mm-hmm. If you want a better defense, you'll have to get a better lawyer than I am because that's the best that I could do. I'm just a lawyer in training, so you have to get the, really, the, the top ones for a better one. Thank you for bringing that up. I really appreciate that. I'm always hoping somebody will bring something up in a class that will defeat me. You know. I was looking for that. The question I can't answer. Or, you know. Makes things exciting. Yes? Uh, is there a connection between Shmati and Guru Tattva? Oh, that's a very interesting question. Is there a relationship between Shmati Radharani and Guru Tattva? You know that Shmati Prabhupada says Guru is not a particular man. Guru is the truth. Did you know that? Brahma says, Guru is not a particular man, Guru is a truth. And in the early days of Islam, the devotees made a poster 
advertising one of Prabhupada's lectures and using the word man in relationship to him. And Prabhupada got very angry. And he said, Guru is not a man. Guru is a principle. Guru is a truth. So, the Guru principle is usually understood as Lord Nityananda. Or Lord Bhavana. Generally, that's the, the Guru principle. That anyone, anyone who's teaching Krishna consciousness, whether you officially put the title Guru on them or not, but, you know, anytime you say to somebody, hey, Krishna's the Supreme Lord, you're acting according to the Guru principle. And really, it's the potency of Lord Balaram or Lord Nityananda that is acting through you. Uh, but some of our acharyas also identify Srimati Radharani as, as Guru principle. So whether that's Tattva or Rasa, I really don't know. But uh, some of our acharyas identify like that, that the Guru can also be a representative of Srimati and that's the best answer I can give you. What? And that I will have to go and look up. It's in Prophet's books. If you do a database search, you'll, oops, if you do a database search, you'll find it. It's that. That the guru is generally considered representative of Lodi Jananda, but sometimes the guru is considered representative of Srimati. It's, it's definitely there. may not be those exact words. Yes? Everyone is so um, individually connected to Krishna in such a complex way. How do we find our strength and how do we uh, uh, Because it's all Krishna. <laughs> it is the same person. You know, it, it probably gives the example of a family. So in a family, in a traditional family, I don't know if there exists anymore on the planet. Maybe. <laughs> maybe in some remote Indian villages or Indonesia or someplace like that. You know, in a traditional family, you have a head of a family, which was usually men. Not always. Some families were matriarchal. In Kerala, the families were all matriarchal. But the head of the family. And everybody worked for the interest of the head of the family. But everyone had a different relationship with the head of the family. Maybe you were the younger brother, maybe you were the wife, maybe you were the child. You know, each child has a different relationship. But there's still this one head of the family, so this one united interest. I mean, even here in this temple, the deities are supposed to be the center of the temple. That's the, that's the idea. Whether or not that happens in reality, that's something we have to put effort into, but that's, that's the idea. That's the idea of having an altar in your home. You know, the deities are the center. I mean, I know some devotees who, every time they write a letter, they first read it to their deities. Whatever money comes in or out of their home, they present all the accounts to their deities. The, the, the deity is literally the master of the home. So the, the idea here, even in a place like Radhadesh, is we're all serving in different ways, but the deity is the center. Our purpose is to please Radhagopinath. It's not that one of you wants to please Radhagopinath and one of you wants to please somebody else. But we're all trying to please Radhagopinath. And in ISKCON also, we're all trying to please Sri Prabhupada. We're trying to do things according to Srila Prabhupada's rule that Prabhupada is our ultimate guru authority. So even though we all understand Srila Prabhupada a little differently too, frankly. But we all agree that Srila Prabhupada is, is the ultimate authority. Now how we can understand that, how we can apply it. Prabhupada also gives the example of different political parties in a, in a country. So there's different political parties and, and they may fight, hopefully not with weapons and stuff, but you know, 
they, they may fight about what policies are best for the country, and they may fight very aggressively, but they're all united in that they care for the country. Yeah. At least, ideally, theoretically, they're not actually enemies of each other, you understand? I mean, I think about it in America years ago when Barack Obama was running for president, he was running against Hillary Clinton. And so they were both really criticizing each other. But when he won the nomination, then she supported him. And when he became president, he made her a secretary of state. So although they appeared to be in competition, actually they were united for the benefit of the country. So that's the kind of mood that we should have also as devotees. When Prabhupada was asked if people have different opinions, isn't that impersonalism? Prabhupada said, no, that is personalism. He said, to be a person means you have your own opinion. There's no meaning to be a person if you don't have your own opinions that are somewhat different from other people. Certain things we may agree about completely and certain things we may agree about partially. But we agree to work together and cooperate in spirit for the benefit of the Lord. And that is something we're supposed to be practicing right now in our right Christian movement. That this mood that I want to, do you want to please Krishna? We should assume that anyone who's in the Hare Krishna movement, unless they're like Prolambasura, you know, unless they're a demon disguised as a devotee, probably that there are some. There was one, one man in Vrindavan years ago who was molesting the children, and when he was detected, he said, I've done this in Vrindavan to prove there's no God. So, you know, there, there are some demons dressed as devotees. But generally, we can assume that people who come to the Hare Krishna movement, they want to satisfy Krishna, that's what they're here for. And they may have a little different opinion as to how to satisfy Krishna than we do, but we should be united on the fact that we're trying to satisfy Krishna. And therefore, Prabhupada talked about this unity and diversity. And, and, and Krishna very much likes it. I mean, Krishna also sometimes likes it, as I said, when the, when the devotees compete to serve him. Krishna likes it when the gopis compete to serve him and the coward boys compete to serve him. He likes that. But he also likes that when they work together in harmony. And when the prachetas work together in harmony, the ten brothers, then Lord Vishnu was very pleased with them. So we have a, a in the Bible it says, How wonderful it is when the brothers work together in peace. So thank you very much. Shri Mati Radharani Ki. Shri Prabhupada Ki. Jai.